0: This podcast is from HeptagonClub.co.uk and PaulCarenza.com. The Heptagon Club. Heptagon Club.
1: Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza. Seven guests, seven corners.
2: On this week's
3: show... I did a
2: thing with Roger Moore once. So that was uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn, of course, famous for having a beard. Like UKIP's catchphrases. And
4: then tries to reel off a recipe for a goat masaman curry. <laughs> and your host...
2: Mr
0: Paul Perenza. Hello there, friends, regulars and irregulars. You are most welcome to the Heptagon Club, our seven-sided venue of chat and banter. Oh, ugh, I miss banter. Don't you miss banter? When it used to be a rare word, it used to mean fun... No pressure, entertaining chat. I even did a podcast called Movie Banter, simpler times. Now, of course, it means bants. Well, there's some uh, top bants, if that's what you're after. Right here, we have it in spades. Our rule is simply seven guests per week chatting whatever their field of interest is. Uh, Largely that is from the worlds of comedy and media. But who can say? Well, uh, we can because we know who's on this week. Uh, This week it is mostly comedy heavy, it turns out. But what fine exponents of the art we have. Uh, Headlining this week, except he's... On first, so you know, opening. Uh, But it's Joe Lycett who is uh, a guy who's everywhere on telly just now, isn't he? He's uh, actually as this podcast goes up, he's hosting Sunday brunch this very weekend. He's on the current series of Taskmaster on Dave. An eight out of ten caps does countdown went absolutely viral, and he's a lovely guy. Uh, So who else Uh, this week? We've got uh, the ever cerebral Robin Ince. We've got Daphne Barham returning, as does character comic Alexis Dubas. Uh, on his relationship with his uh, his own character, Marcel, drifting into comedy writer territory as well. We have two sitcom writers uh, who I believe have never met, uh, so there you go. Uh, that's Tim Reid, who uh, co-created Peter Kay's Car Share, uh, the record-breaking uh, iPlayer busting sitcom, and-, and Mr. James Carey, uh, who has worked on My Hero, My Family, My well, Miranda, but anything with my in it, basically. Uh, and we've got a fascinating insight into the world of adoption and fostering uh, with author and speaker Chris can die, and it really is a truly uh, remarkable insight. All of that is to come. First then, Joe Lycett. Well, uh, I saw him last, I think, on Comic Relief, uh, running a pizza restaurant with Mickey Flanagan. Um, But I first met Joe at uh, Edinburgh Festival many years ago. Before he even started gigging, uh, he saw my old show, Borderline Racist. It wasn't a racist show. It was very complicated. But uh, that was a show I did back in about 2007, I think. Uh, And then uh, Joe started comedy soon after. Off he trotted... And whoosh, that is the sound of Joe Lycett overtaking every comedian working today. His uh, show titles are Brilliant, Uh, That's the Way, Aha, Aha, Joe Lycett. What a title. Uh, Some Lycett Hot as well, that's another one. And maybe we will find out this year's. Joe Lycett, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Hello. How are you? How is your comedy um, world right now?
4: Uh, I'm good. The comedy world for me currently is um, a lot of writing. I'm writing my next show at the minute. Um, And as ever, I spend more time thinking about the poster than the actual show itself. So the actual writing of the jokes is taking a back seat to the concepts of what
0: it could be. Do you have a show title at this stage? Because your show titles are, it's fair to say, legendary.
4: Yeah, um, that's very nice of you to say. I'm not sure whether legendary is quite the... uh, Sort of, they, they produce a, a, a mild um, form of amusement in some people. Well, I was
0: saying to Tim Vine recently, he was after a show title. Oh, um, my God, his a great... And um, I suggested to him, that's the way, aha, aha, Tim Vine. <laughs> and um, he didn't quite go for it, unfortunately. <laughs> ah, it's so good, brilliant. why not keep using it, you know, but... Um, his uh, Tim, Timmy, Tim, Timmy, Tim,
4: Tim, 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 Tim you was so good. Uh, yes, like that. Uh, and the post was brilliant on that, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's either going to be... Uh, Do you really lice it? Is it it wicked? Excellent. Or I think I might go with just drop it, lice it's hot.
0: Nice. Excellent. That's good.
4: And I've got, like, a bit of an idea for the poster because I've started doing sculpture.
0: Right. Oh, really?
4: Um, Like doing little clay heads. It's a really weird little (laughs) side project. That's nice. Um, That's niche. Is niche. I just saw a sculpture um, about six months ago, probably a bit longer now, and uh, I was looking at it and I was going... That'd be fun to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I sat down and had a go at it, and it's really hard to make a bit of clay look like a human. I can imagine. Really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to lessons now. One of the ideas of the poster is to be holding a clay head of myself that I've made. Excellent. In the...
0: Sort of Lionel Richie style. Uh, yeah. Once
4: that studio. gets passed by my agent, it'll yes. be very much watered <laughs> down to... Uh, A shadow of its former self.
0: How many shows have you done now? This must be your... Fourth. Fourth. fourth, fourth, Very good. Uh, How do you find it? I I mean, Um, you've done how many shows now? Too many to think about. I've done about six or seven. I think I've done seven. Does it get easier? Um, Well, I've always done it around a framework of some sort. Hmm. So I've always picked a thing and then just gone, right, let's write lots of things about this. So when I did a show about taking a different musical genre... Yes, the first show I
4: ever saw of you was one of the first I ever saw of stand-up, full-hour shows. And then, yeah, well,
0: that that made you think that looks easy. Let's do that. I
4: see. Steve Day, I saw Steve Uh, Day. Yeah, okay. I think it was a full hour. Yes, but I can't remember what. Well, that that one I
0: did was was because it was a one-month a musical genre per month that I listened to solidly for that month, and so that's twelve genres. Yeah. So pop, rock, jazz, and so on. An hour is. You know, five twelfths, isn't it? Five twelve. Yeah. So just five minutes on each thing So I thought, I write five minutes of jokes on pop music Yeah Five minutes on classical That's an hour And then, um That's a good That's th- the theory Yeah You know, but then it just gives you something to base it off, I suppose That's a um, much
4: better way of looking at it Rather than me just looking at a piece of paper every morning going right, let's write something profound and funny. Yeah, but then you paint yourself
0: into a corner, yeah, I find, yeah, really otherwise is, it's tricky. But, well, no, I mean, with, you know, with my own one, you know, as they're going, right, now I've got to find um, another five minutes of jokes on ballet or something that I just sort of suddenly yeah. go, right, OK. Um, so so it's been tr- tricky. Like, whatever yeah.
4: approach you take, I think, like you are really. in a corner of... Your own yes. making, even if it's um, to make yourself do to it, to make yourself do it, or yeah. you know, be abstract and just write yes. about whatever comes to you that day. Yes. You know, Tom Stade always had an idea of uh, a process, which was the um, morning pages, which I don't think was his um, invention, but he sort of promoted it to me and a few others, where you write uh, just a kind of gunk that comes in oh. out of your head in the morning, right. and it's a way of sort of just getting rid of your sort yeah. of lazy thoughts. Then I would do like a bit of gunk writing and then go. That's the days where i right. done <laughs> and then clock so off. It didn't yeah. actually
0: work. I find I do. I end up with a bunch of ideas as soon as I wake. Like I dream a few good ideas. Yeah. I, in fact, I do. I think my best work when I'm asleep probably, and I wake <laughs> up and yeah. that ruins everything. You know. I so, agree, and that's why yeah. I Nap more. Than it's I easy. Should. Best to do that. Yeah. Morning gunk write and then have a nap. Yeah. See where that goes. Yeah. And, and that'll be good time for the gig and then, and then you're off a few beers and then you Yeah off. exactly exactly <laughs> um so um so is it since your last show then so you've you've been I mean I see you all the time now on the on the telly box oh on the box um running pizza restaurants for charity oh, and yeah. and on countdown doing yeah. things and um, <laughs> yeah. writing letters to different um corporations and the like yeah and um it's been uh, fantastic to see all that stuff oh, uh, come about so good on you well done you thanks has it been fun is it is it feel is it sort of a does it still feel like work or is it um uh, it, it, it,
4: always, uh, it always is a mixture of feeling like work because of the kind of pressure of it. I went into the, like, the pizza restaurant thing we did at Comic Relief. I woke up that morning and I was really worried about, like, I'd just wake up that day feeling tired and not like I, like I couldn't do it because yeah. it was live telly I'd never really done that before. Right. And fortunately, I woke up with this sort of attitude of, like, well, what's the, you know, what's the absolute worst that could happen? None of that's death. You'll be fine, and sort of went in just uh, sort of wanting to definitely enjoy it. And for that reason, I sort of did. It was still manic and still like uh, came away totally exhausted. But um, I'm endeavouring to approach things with that attitude rather than. When, I think when you first start doing television it feels mm. so uh, important to get it right all the time and you lose some of that like youthful kind of oh just messing about
0: doesn't it? Yeah. kind of not taking this seriously the gleeful anarchy yeah was, well things like the pizza restaurant thing was the, the anarchy was what made you know it was yeah. to, I mean I don't know how you even rehearse for something like that because you you've got a full restaurant it. of pizza customers That's yeah. the, you and Mickey Flanagan just serving them was, yeah. uh, well, it it was, was I, I did
4: try to write jokes for it and actually trying to hold them in your head yeah. and deliver them well to, I think they said it's about eight, nine million people watching just like it's not even <laughs> worth thinking about yeah. like it's not, it's not something I'm uh, very uh, capable of at the minute so I yes. just thought actually what's worked for me in comedy rooms thus far is just yes. sort of my instinct and the first thing that comes to my head as long as it doesn't have a swear word in it or anything Yes, but like it's weird because like with telly like when you do it, did, we did one rehearsal and at one point they said, oh you can't say Pizza Express and I was like, we're, we're in Pizza Express. You've put us in Pizza Express. And yes. they're like, yeah, it's like a legal
0: thing. Like, the logo's everywhere. The logo's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. We're in Pizza Express, yeah. very
4: clear. So I sort of just, you know, yes. I'll just do it anyway.
0: And I'm pretty sure there were, you, did, I'm all right thinking you deliberately referred several times to other pizza Oh yeah, well, pizza hurt, dominoes dominoes, then, yeah, Yeah, loads of that. We got yeah. delivery or
4: something like that. I don't know. We got, got mean, delivery. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, they told us not to do
0: that. Of course. But and then you go the other way. Yeah. Yes. What?
4: I reasonable. mean, once it's done, what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, are they going to BBC going to sue me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah, not, yeah. A, what's going to happen? No, exactly.
0: The ship has sailed. Yeah. They can't, they can't, yeah, it's, they can't it's, not broadcast it. Yeah. It's gone out. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
4: So that was a lot of fun. So yes, I slightly roundabout way of answering that, but yeah, I'm still enjoying it and it's a very much a case of I think this is this probably the case with life isn't it to sort of remind yourself that it's fun yes and yes like you can take life very seriously and mm. I've been guilty of that at times
0: but if you just go, oh, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, yeah. Then actually, it's all fine. It's a business of play, isn't it? Really? So yeah. You've doing a bit of that stuff. You've
4: been
1: yeah, dead yeah.
0: before, you know it. Well, exactly. You enjoy it. Uh, more Joe in a bit. Now it has been uh, quite a week uh, here. Uh, I know that many or most of you indeed will listen to this in the far future. So I hope you've had a better week uh, than we've just had. Uh, we've had the Manchester Arena attacks were just days ago, and uh, it is it's heavy on my heart. But I won't pour out uh, here. Uh, particularly, it's an entertainment podcast. But if you wish to hear my. Uh, uh, my, my two pennies worth, my two minutes worth, in fact, I did the pause for thought on uh, Friday 26th of May, which was, was today, as, we, as I say these words, on the Radio 2 website that is there, or indeed I um, post that on Facebook as well. Uh, but anyway, we carry on. So uh, one other event from this week of recording was the sad passing of Sir Roger Moore, who was very much with us at our live recording. Um, Well, no, sorry, I'll rephrase that. He wasn't with us. I would have featured him um, earlier if he was on. But, no, Robin Ince does mention him in passing. Uh, What I I mean is that Roger Moore was alive when Robin Ince talked about him, which is what you'll now hear. So this was recorded just one day after the March for Science in London, uh, and that was at our live show. So that explains why you may hear uh, some light chuckles from our audience and, indeed, references to those things from... Robin Innes.
3: I did the science march, which was fantastic oh, yes. and a very, very beautiful thing. 12,000 people. Uh, there is something wonderful about seeing a group of 12,000 scientists trying to come up with a slogan, which is both catchy and accurate. Science! Good at creating questions, not so good at creating slogans. But what do we want? Cats in a superposition. When do we want them? Until observed. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see, but you know, we don't really chant, we're free thinkers and it is problematic. But I got to meet um, Peter Capaldi.
2: Because he's on the march, was he? Was yeah, he yeah. Paper? And he,
3: what a really delightful thing as well. He wasn't like, he, he was wandering around outside the Science Museum, but basically wandering around because people just kept saying, can I get a selfie? Can I get a selfie? And he didn't go at the front of the march. There was no kind of, I'm the famous people, well, he was there to support the march. But I had this weird thing, which is, I've been fortunate in working with some people who are quite well known, you know, and, and like, you know, Roger Moore. I did a thing with Roger Moore once, and the only bit I remember is the punchline to a joke he told me just before I went on to the set. And the punchline, I can't remember the setup, but he just went, what's that up my ass, Bad Bad? You better go on now. And it was, he was a mere 87 at the time. And, um, but when I saw Peter Capaldi, because my son loves Doctor Who so much, I, had, I felt as if I was, I, I thought I can't, I'm going to have to get a selfie with him. Of course. And, and I did. And I, but I, I still felt embarrassed to do it. And I had to get the organiser. The organiser went, I'll take you over. Thank you very much. Hello, call you? i do a show I'm thinking, Thank you very much. My son really loves you. I probably love you too, actually. I don't know. And it was just it was very weird. Because the last time I had to ask for an autograph was in 1997. When I had to get Peter Andre's autograph. Because my niece really liked Peter Andre. But by the time I got her the autograph, she'd gone off him. <laughs> and it was so that was a lesson, rough, innit? It's a rough. <laughs> so was, was he nice? Was he good when you got the autograph? I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he was, and I love the fact that people like Peter Capaldi and I think Matt Smith stuff going. Yep. You know, when people like that. Go on things like the Women's March and go on the Science March. I think it does have an effect, whether we like it or not. You know, so often we see uh, you know, the use of, of, of celebrity for bad things or dull things or banal things. And the Women's March, which I couldn't go on, my son went on the Women's March uh, with my wife, and he's nine. And about halfway through, she went, oh, Stop being so bored. And he went, I'm nine. <laughs> you would have been bored if you'd gone on a march when you were nine. Not, I can't argue with that, yeah, yeah, you're entirely right. right. But, but he, he came up with some good tra- chants, but the only chant that he did I loved Fiona Apple's chant. Did anyone know about Fiona Apple's chant for the Women's March? It was beautiful, and, it, and they did a kind of remix on it, and it was, uh, We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants, which is just really catchy. <laughs> nice. That's the sort of slogan you chant you wouldn't get from the scientists, isn't No, you? no, no. They'd yeah. have had to check with some well, kind of graphs well. and statistics <laughs> about the Size of their hands would
4: they qualify as tiniest or merely like mildly anomalous? I love like popular science and I love really getting into quantum physics at the minute. This thing that came out yesterday where they said uh, they 've created a, uh, a, a, an atom that breaks newton 's one of newton 's laws but like if it 's an atom that is i can 't remember what the a- atom what uh, element it is, but they 've frozen it to just above absolute zero. And then when you push it away from you, it comes back at you, rather than Um, going... Like Newton's law is if you push an object away, it goes away from you. But it basically comes back at you because it's got this unique uh, quantum... Sort of I know I've had girlfriends like that.
0: This is the problem, you see. I get really in, I know, involved yeah. in
4: a subject, and then I don't think about the funny side of it, and that's why I can't write stand up. Well, i was get, say, do I you,
0: so in de- Do you do that thing of, of going, I've got an interest in this thing, right? Okay, next, <clears throat> the next show's on quantum, quantum physics or anything like that I think, I,
4: oh, yes, I'll definitely write about that and my, my love of that, and then, yeah, I, yeah, because I'm so interested in it, I don't see the joke.
0: Uh, the, ne- well, the next doctor may have been on the march as well, but we just don't know. We don't, don't know.
3: Yet. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you'd know. I hope you'd find oh, out in you know, that order No, right. I think the uh, it's uh, who does who wants a uh, uh, who would like a female doctor. Yay! I think it'd be yeah. I think yeah. it really. I think part of it is it will just be fun to do that, and secondly, it's just really joyous to see dull white men infuriated <laughs> by things like that. that no, no, it's government. just incredible! Oh, no, Man, Max Fury Road, Max isn't in it enough, there's a woman driving! Oh.
0: I go to the GPR by women doctor, so they're, they're nice, they, they, they listen. Well, the,
3: the male has been um, so That it is true, actually. It is. It yeah. is. It is. That's uh, the arrogance of, when people wonder why, you know, men... A lot more cancer rate is because men debate, they go, I'm not sure what's more embarrassing and more worrying. Is it more worrying that I believe this lump is some kind of cancer, or if it turns out it's just some kind of freckle with exuberance, and the doctor goes, it's just a freckle, why didn't you know that, because I'm not a doctor. It's probably more embarrassing to be shamed by my doctor. So I died from this possible tumor.
0: Well, it's interesting to say. That. I've got an appointment tomorrow with my GP to check out this freckle. So uh, <laughs> let me have a look. I know, I know, you, I know you, scientists. Yeah, there you go. So I know.
3: That's, it's it's fine.
0: Been, it's been growing. So uh, I don't know. The do freckle's still growing, but I'm getting fatter. So maybe that's it. My skin is growing bigger.
1: You know. So the point. they're just, be just getting fatter.
3: The Heptagon Club.
5: Seven guests, seven corners. The Heptagon Club with Paul Carenza.
0: Well, in a mo, we will poke under the bonnet uh, with co-creator of CarShare, uh, that Peter Kay vehicle. Oh yes, I did just do two car-based puns in as many seconds there. That, they teach you those skills right uh, writing your Top Gear. Uh, as a writer, I'm always interested in the mechanisms behind comedy writing so we're going to get a bit geeky about comedy writing in a moment with uh, sitcom writers Tim Reed and James Carey so I hope that you are enjoying that as well and if you don't, just you know bear with us for a few minutes and the whole point of this podcast is this variety of um, uh, a heptagon of voices means that we will have uh, lots of interests and fascinations of other people, too. So, for example, I love a bit of science. I also love a bit of religion. I'm one of those rare people who uh, thinks that you can be drawn to both science and religion, and that's OK to talk about these things. So uh, one of the things I want to do on this podcast, we've had a bit of science uh, from Mr. Robin Ince, and I want to shine a bit of a light on some pals of mine, known perhaps in religious circles, which I don't mean... Religious circles like Stonehenge, well, um, that's pagan, doesn't matter. Um, but more, uh, uh, you know, about the interesting things they're doing. So, this guy called Krish Kandai, he has an amazing charity called Home for Good. Home for Good is all about adoption and fostering, and uh, that's what it's all about, really. So, this is uh, the brilliant Krish Kandai.
5: So, my family are a fostering and adopting family. We have seven children, three of them have a biological connection with us, four of them are looked after children, either through adoption or long term fostering. And we love it. We think it's the best yeah. thing we do as a family. It's the toughest thing we do as a family. That's seven. That is a good number. That is. Definitely. Well, partly, yeah. no, particularly. I'll,
0: I'll be honest, on this podcast, seven is the optimum number for everything. Totally. But, um, uh, but seven, that is a family
5: full. That is. <laughs> we can't have any more. <laughs> that is a house We've, full, we've you know. run out of rooms. I bet you have. Bro. We're allowed to look after babies because okay. up until two, they're allowed to share a bedroom right. with us as we right. have to get up in the night to kind of look after of course, them and stuff. Yeah. But after that, we're full. We had to buy a minibus to be able to. I bet you get everybody around well, how
0: do you how do you okay well, yeah so let's i mean there's so many things to take by how do you on a day to day basis seven so there's seven plus two, seven
5: plus parents. Seven plus mum and dad, yeah, me wow. and my wife.
0: Wow, so that is nine. Obviously, I'm just showing <laughs> You're off good at with the with map. Yeah. I've done this before. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so is that one
5: vehicle? Is that two vehicles? Is It um, um, It was one vehicle and then it was complicated. So two yeah. vehicles. Most of the time when we travel all together, we're in a, a minibus. And equal,
0: I guess that is a spread of ages.
5: So presumably yeah, they yeah. don't
0: all travel together at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Our
5: oldest is 18, our youngest right. is seven months. So it's a big gap. Yeah, that's the spread. And actually, it, because we've got we've got an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, yeah. um, what it means is um, they all help, you know, the old kids get involved. Yeah. Our, our boys in particular are great with babies. Our um, eldest um, birth daughter, she's great with toddlers and kind right. of, yeah, it just all works well. That's
0: great. Yeah, because you, you must need, it's like a, con- a conveyor belt of children, you must need a factory staff of, you know, it's great. The, the, the ages move along, they can help you out. That is Packed lunches are
5: complicated. I can imagine. Going yes. on holiday, you're taking an awful lot of pairs of socks yes, when you go away. Yes. We love it, we love it.
0: Well, equally, I you say, like, going on holiday and stuff like that, it is, I mean, we've got two kids, which seems that seems plenty in my house of to two <laughs> and well, already holidays are costly and you know let alone the whole recent thing of term taking kids out of school oh, or man, sort of topical craziness. so I mean that must be a sacrifice in itself you know affording to take a family of nine anywhere <laughs> even down the shops even McDonald's that must be a you yes know, uh, we don't fly anywhere because be so
5: be so that would be mad that would be crazy that take up the planes yep. we're going to a nice sunny beach in France and we're all happy it's incredible good work did the family situation come first for you then and then this
0: uh, so home for good and the, just that sort of passion in your
5: yeah system. that's right so we got involved personally and then we got opened up to a whole world that we didn't really know anything about just mm. the situations that kids um that bring kids into care so 70 yeah. percent of kids in care experience kind of neglect or abuse um you know just the worst possible start to life and it's not their fault and so we found out there was a massive need for more foster parents and for more adopters. And we also found out that lots of people think fostering is for poor people, people that don't have any qualifications, can't get a job, and so then they could always become foster carers. And, and uh, we don't think that's right. We think all sorts of people can be great mm. foster carers. It might be you've got kids, haven't got kids, might be single, might be married, you name it. Your kids might have left home. All of us could be the kind of people that stepped up and made a difference in kids' lives. And what we found out about adoption was that most people that come forward for adoption really want to adopt a baby, but most kids waiting to be adopted are older. And so that mismatch means loads of people are waiting to adopt and loads of kids are waiting to be adopted. So we thought, can we change this around? Can we m- not make this about, you know, fostering is a way to earn money and adoption is a way to get the kid that you want? Could we say, no, could this be about the children? Could all of us who are able step up and become the kind of people that these kids need us to be in their lives, whether that's through fostering or adoption.
0: Yeah, because it's quite a big rethink of, I think, how a lot of people see... Frustrated adoption, like you know, or in particular adoption, I suppose we have a house, we have this family. What completes our family? Yeah. Um, let's get the you know the kid that fits that mold, sort of thing. Exactly. actually It's not that's not the right way to approach it, by the way.
5: No, and sometimes people come with quite a shopping list. You know, I want yeah, a young one, I want a girl, I want it to look like us, want no special needs. I want you know. Yeah. And actually, we're saying, well, that's quite a consumeristic approach to children. <gasps> children aren't there to complete us. Um, if there are kids in the care system that need help, it's all hands on deck. Let's step up and be what they need us to be. It's a real child-centric view we've got yes totally and what is one what other
0: sort of I mean I don't't don't necessarily you don't know specific stats and stuff but it, it is is there a uh, you know in terms of the demand and supply of such things at the minute is there an ongoing uh, yeah you know, there, is. there is a need for this you know yeah, a
5: child comes into care every 20 minutes in the UK it's around 35,000 kids come into care it's about a hundred thousand kids all altogether in care at any one time um, there's a real need um, for foster carers uh, particularly those that are able to look after a brother and sister together um, you know sibling groups because imagine you've come into care mm. and the only people you know for sure love you in the world might be your brother or sister and the idea that you'd be separated of just course. seems heartbreaking absolutely and for adoption it's particularly people that will be willing uh, to take on kids that might have additional needs might be older uh, and we really need lots of people from black and minority ethnic backgrounds and uh, your podcast listeners won't know but I'm brown tonight oh yeah we, that, <laughs>
0: that doesn't come through does it on the uh brown, oh, uh, brownness doesn't come yeah. out as i'm just speaking yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah we need more people from good minority yes back-ups. okay great so how um literally is it like middle of the night the phone rings kind of stuff in terms of the practicalities of yeah. such things
5: so we, we're emergency carers yeah. Yeah. and long-term carers so we kind of do a bit of both so yeah we got a call once at midnight my wife answered the phone and I don't know if she's fully awake, because she said yes, whatever they asked oh, her. No, really?
1: Yeah, okay. And
5: yeah. then 2.30 yeah. in the morning, the doorbell rings, and we look out the yeah. window, and there's a police van outside, and two lovely police, female police officers mm. have got out. They've opened the back door of the van, and yeah. four kids have turned up. Wow. And a uh, range of ages, down from, I think, from about 10 down to about 3... And um, Mm. just from the head coverings and stuff, you could tell they were from a Muslim background. Mm. And so it's 2.30 in the morning, and these kids look like, you know, rabbits caught in the headlights of a car. Just shell-shocked. And our job is, you know, what can we do to make them feel welcome? We don't know anything about the circumstances. You know, it must be pretty bad. That's why they're there. So we go and get the milk and cookies and hope that will help. And, you know, they don't know what to say. And so... Randomly, I banged my head. You know, not on purpose. It right. happened, and then they all burst out into fits of giggles, and uh, that was it for the rest of the week. I was known as the one who banged his right, head. Okay, Would just giggled away. Yes, so yes. that's more into your world. Comedy can really kind
0: of break. It, well, it's true. It's an icebreaker. Break isn't it? down and stuff. Yeah, it's I guess. And do you get? Is it like language barriers and stuff like that as well?
5: Oh, or is it- yeah, yeah. So we had these two children who had been discovered by a postman, um, and they had been left home alone. And I think the oldest was four and the other one was two and they, no one could find parents So you know social services get called they get brought to our house as emergency carers and uh, we're trying to chat away and find out what's going on and they, they can't haven't got much language and um, so we try to get them some lunch and uh, the little girl's saying dummy dummy i'm going okay right here's a dummy and uh, they i don't know i had a guess they might be from nigeria we didn't know any details about them so the dummy I was giving her wasn't making a difference so I put a Nigerian friend on the phone and uh, she said not dummy endomy, which is a kind of you know those noodles you can get that you add water to oh, right, that's okay. what she wanted to eat for lunch right, so it's like right. yeah language barrier can be a bit yeah, challenging yeah. but you know, it was great. It was good. We had Nigerian friends that could well, kind of help handy, us out. Yeah. That's handy, isn't it? That's handy. Because I know, like in the BBC, there's this um, language department in there. So it's like, we, we, quick, we need
0: someone on the phone who speaks <laughs> Sudanese or something. Yeah. And they go, they call this person. The person I <laughs> do to speak. It. Someone. <laughs> Jeff, do you speak? To, you know, that's. So you need access to that. Basically. I do. Yeah, yeah. All I've got is my local you never church.
5: Know. So I phone them up, and they, they've right. normally got. A okay. Good, someone, good selection of know. people. Okay, <laughs> that's good. That's good.
0: Uh, yeah, next week then uh, in the uh, churchy, but look what else they do, corner uh, Steve Chalk, known by many. As the Rev on GMTV in the 90s, but he is also uh, the world record holder for raising the most amount of money in one single event after his two million pound London Marathon jog. But it was a, a heck of a fundraiser. So Steve Chalk, uh, next episode on that. He also heads up one of the UK's biggest charities, Oasis. Uh, so next episode, chatting with him and some other big business bods as well. I thought, well, let's get a little businessy and entrepreneuring uh, with you here. So our next guest uh, will be coming back next week as well, Tim Reed. Uh, is the uh, co-creator of CarShare and does a lot of businessy things as well. So here he is, Mr. Tim Reid. Let's talk about CarShare. Mm. So that you were co-creator of this, yes, with uh, your writing partner, is that right? Yes. And so, how does that come about? You had an idea without Peter attached or something, and then yeah, was- that's
2: right. Well, we—I mean, it was actually we were bouncing around all sorts of ideas at the time. This is 2010, so it was just post the crash, and we were trying to think of coming up with some really easy, cheap to make ideas uh, and um, you know there was a thing out at the time called Roger and Val have just got in
1: oh yes I remember it yeah, Dawn Dawn French,
2: French Alfred Molina yeah that's right yeah and um, just before there was a thing called the smoking room yes remember which that I love. yeah so Robert the Webb on. Yeah. that's right yep. uh, and those really sm- con- tightly confined uh, situations can really allow you to just then yeah. explore the characters yes and the dialogue and the stuff that I find really funny. So we were, we were bouncing things around and then um, you know, we had a few different ideas. But um, Paul, I think, had come in the one day and said, you know, what about a car share? Uh, and we both immediately thought, oh, yeah, that hasn't been done. That could be great. You know, you could have two characters. And then we start quickly building out, well, who should be in there? Who would be funny? And I'd not long read, men are from Mars, women are from Venus... And there are a few things in there that you kind of just think, oh, the points of conflict. Mm. Uh, You know, one thing particularly that I remember reading was that, um, I think I might get the numbers wrong, but it's something like women tend to have 20,000 words a day that they need to get out to make it for a happy day, Uh, whereas for men it's about 7,000, so about 13,000 less. So we often run out as (laughs) blokes, run out of words (laughs) by that tea time. Right. If you had that, a kind of a, a fairly flighty, fun loving, chatty uh, colleague, female colleague, thrown in with a bloke who just wants to listen to Five Live and the news, doesn't talk <laughs> in the car, I mean, the car's not for chatting, and then but they're thrown together. What they'd, you'd hope they'd grow to realise is actually he could do with being a lot more like her and she could probably do with being a bit more like him. And that was the start of it, really. And then John and Kayleigh were, were born, yeah, totally without Peter and Sean yeah. in mind. Uh, In fact, we'd we'd written them being in their their late 20s. The Peter thing actually just came along because Paul, who I wrote it with, was old mates with with Peter. In fact, Uh they went to to school together uh, and still good friends. So when we'd written the first series, six episodes, Paul said, Well, I'll show it to Peter and uh, see what he thinks of it. We thought, if he likes it, he might set us up with a meeting or introduce us to actually cheryl taylor at the time who was head of comedy at bbc at the time we thought that'd be like you know if he likes it and could just introduce us and but yeah he read it and loved it and said if he thought of casting it because i think i could do the main right. lead to which my instant reaction was um, actually about 10 years too old right. and, and I, like a millisecond later in my brain thought, <laughs> yes you'd be <laughs> it. yeah yeah
0: uh, more Tim Reid uh, in just a moment, but let me introduce, uh, once again, a previous guest, James Carey. His most recent sitcom on telly was Bluestone Two on BBC3, set in Afghanistan. So you filmed that in South Africa, We did, right? yeah, Very good. in a
1: wine-producing area of South Africa. Nice. It was fantastic. Oh, I bet that was a good few weeks. Oh, it was yes. amazing. Yes.
0: yes. yeah. Um, that seems to be quite a good way of... I know, like, Darren Lytton, who, who, when he made Benidorm, mm. you la- you think, yeah, you've landed on a good thing. I know. You've set your sitcom in the
1: sun. Yeah. And uh, that's good, yeah. you know, you go over there and make um, that for a bit. And we have often thought, what could our next sitcom be? Could it be set in a vineyard in Tuscany, yeah. perhaps, or something Hawaiian like that? Hawaiian sitcoms, yeah. or so that stuff. Yeah, that stuff doesn't yeah. really play quite so well. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it?
0: It's tricky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and lots of radio sitcoms for you as well, which yes. mustn't
1: have quite as much glamorous travel. No, um, no, the West End of London... Mm. Um, Is not the drill hall usually (laughs) uh, just off uh, Tottenham Court Road? Yeah, but no, I've to be honest, I love radio, and if if I could make a living just doing radio, I probably wouldn't even have bothered with television. Mm. I just think I I listen to tons of podcasts, I listen to loads of audio, I listen to lots of radio sitcoms. My kids are currently obsessed with Cabin Pressure, and they've all listened to each episode about fifteen times, which is there are worse shows to be obsessed with. It's a really nice show, which I didn't write by the way. That's John John show. And I've been trying to wean them off John's work onto my work, so I've been trying to make them listen to Milton Jones, which is a show I wrote I used to write um Milton's show with him. Used to, still do, yeah. going to be doing another series at some point. Yes, yeah, so that reinvents itself, doesn't it? Every, sort of, uh... so every now and then every now and then Radio Four gets sick to death of it and say, Could you stop doing this, please? And we come back with that. How about this format? Yes a new title a new, yes yeah, yeah. another it's case really of helpful. Milton Jones the what is it thanks a lot Milton Jones mm. Is the latest incarnation right nice. I think the next series will have to be called not you again Milton Jones <laughs> exactly like I,
0: had a, I had a listener question um, on did you I did have a listener question no. I did so yeah it was it, the, the, this person had uh, heard somewhere that the, the mm. radio mm. segments came in later then obviously, given that can give a, the musical yeah, yeah. Things, do you things, the earlier drafts, did that come along in the dialogue and stuff, as to where that's all going, or is it, yeah. is it just a lot freer?
2: Or? So interesting, no, the radio was always in there, right, okay. and our intention always was to kind of have the radio as almost like a third character. But that was really more kind of um, the breaks in the radio and the, and the, uh, the links and, and the banal things that local radio... Uh, people say, like you know, uh, things like uh, you know. I was talking about one recently. You know, things like saying, "So that was uh, Jeremy Corbyn." Jeremy Corbyn, of course, famous for having a beard. And do you have it, or anyone else you know have a beard? <laughs> if so, phone in now, and those kind of you know l- links, we always thought that would be quite funny to have in the background, just as a, an extra layer to discover. Um, but then the 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 real use of the music and the type of music. That was Peter brought that in really. Right, yes, because it has a certain favourite yeah, that, you know, and uh, genre. And it really added of course, yeah. added a whole other layer to it. So um, so that was
0: that well, was also great. and the visual equivalent of that, I guess, the
2: like the billboards and adverts and, yes, and the, s- the, shop signs and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, That's yeah. really nice as well. Uh, yeah, and again we'd always thought to have some yeah. of that uh, and use the kind of urban landscape quite a bit. Because you're kind of thinking, you know, we're conscious from the very start that although it's lovely to have the confines of just two characters in a car, uh, you know, from a writer's point of view, I think that's a real gift because you just, you know, can have so much fun with character and dialogue. But again, we were always conscious that you need to keep the interest, you need extra bits uh, and and reasons to break out of the car. And so things like the interesting landscapes that you get around, you know, an urban commute, uh, again, always just thought that that adds a whole the visual texture to it, um, without getting kind of you know poncy about it. But it kind of adds something really nice and, and interesting, um, and also you know it's great for you know encouraging people to watch it again. Exactly, it's you know, just good get the DVD yeah. on sale in all good of course DVD shops. Of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and obviously an iPlayer I think for that is you know, in fact it's just it's just broken the record, it? It's like, 10, isn't it? It's incredible. It's incredible on the eye iP- how yeah. it hit and, and it just held all the positions. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that was mad, wasn't it? Yeah. And I wonder again how much of that is people going back to relook re look at those little things. Yes. Yeah. And the signs again started to come in as a as a thought, but again I think as we got to shoot it and getting close to that level of actually when Peter as the director was thinking about different shots. The opportunity then to make more fun of that, I think, yeah. became obvious. So, like with anything, and I've seen this in other projects since, you know, the script is the start, isn't it? Especially the first draft script is the start. Yeah. You've got the characters and the storylines, but then as you get towards production and then even post-production you get the chance to think of lots of other layers to, to add on top. Yes, it's a your blueprint, and uh, you build on the
0: blueprint. Yeah, and all that exactly. Sort of stuff. So I heard someone describe a, a script as an invitation to create
2: yes, rather yeah, than yeah, actually yeah. the creativity itself. Yeah, you know, that's it's lovely. Nice, lovely but, way of yeah. it. When Paul and I first uh, wrote it, I can remember yeah. being... We were sat in his flat, we thought, well... Let's put two kitchen chairs together as if it was okay. a, a, the car, mm. so driver and, and passenger, and when I think I sat on the driver 's side and read John out and mm. Paul sat in the passenger side and, read, and was reading Kaylee out, but we were also imagining the different bits in the car that you could have fiddle with at the time, like the, you know the glove box and the, the radio that might have been where the radio first came oh, and yes, actually. yes. I were starting to think of things no, that nice. you. You'd be playing Next with or meddling, yep. things Kaylee would do that would wind John up, you mm. know? fiddling with the sun visor and the, moving the chair as well. If he was, yes. you know, vaguely ocd <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, which he didn't turn out to be, but that kind of, you know, this is my car, my space, yeah, my territory, totally. my cave. Uh, and for those early episodes when she they were still kind of, mm. you know, rubbing up against each other more than they did towards the end. You know, all of that fiddling around with stuff in the car. Mm. But we got that through. I don't think you can do that easily if you're just you know typing a script you kind of have to act it out and go through the motions and imagine put it on his feet a bit and go from there yeah so
0: studio audience versus uh, you know non-studio audience is questions old as time and all that sort of thing so with that in mind and also the shape of sitcom in 2017 going forward Mm. How do you think, is it in rude health? Is it? It's, it's a weird one at the minute. Every time I think, oh, sitcoms have got a bit of a renaissance for a couple of months and then suddenly it goes quiet again and you look at TV listings now and go, what's here apart from Dad's Army on a Saturday evening? Yes. I don't know. Well,
1: that, you, you've said it there. I, I, I tweet virtually every single week. That's uh, probably what the, I was thinking about. The, the yes. TV ratings for yeah. BBC2, Channel 4 yeah. and Channel 5. No comedy that BBC2, Channel 4 or Channel 5 make Ever beats Dad's Army. Wow, which always gets between 1.3 and 1.7 million yeah. every single week, and has done for the last year or two. And I think that's interesting. Mm. um I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what it is, but there is just something about comedy that's not the non-mainstream comedy mm. is not getting particularly good audiences. It's getting lots of critical applause. And people are liking it, and there 's a buzz about it, but it 's not getting the audiences no. and I think that's so I think there is a shift in the way BBC Two and Channel Four have been commissioning comedy and the sort of stuff they want, which in the, in turn has led to not enough people shifting onto BBC One and ITV the people that were making comedy um, twenty years ago for BBC Two like the League of Gentlemen and Steve Coogan. Mm-hmm they're still making comedy on BBC are. Two. <laughs> yes. Those guys should have been booted onto BBC One, yeah. but they haven't. And now the newbies and the rookies mm. who want to get on where the best chance of getting on is on BBC One mm. are pushed blinking into the glaring lights yes. um, and into the withering onslaught of yeah. of the machine guns, of the critics and the everybody else.
0: And I'm, I'm continually told that there's no room on BBC Two no. uh, ever. There hasn't no. been for the last several years by sounds of uh, it. I don't
1: think there's been any room since about 1996. Something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, that uh, channel Four and E four I think last I heard is that the the room there is is reserved for writer performer stand ups yeah doing that doing the thing at story of their lives kind of thing yeah um and leaves channel five kind of occasionally doing something if you're yeah, lucky low idea. um the gold channel doing something a bit retro with Nigel havers you yes. can find him for three episodes for three, and then, exactly for three yeah. episodes, uh, and then apart from that it's uh, sky of course yeah. Uh, there's people going is Netflix a thing I think they're doing comedy no one yeah, really yeah. knows I know production companies going Who, who's in charge do you know who's in charge of comedy Netflix I don't know is there a comedy department no one knows yeah. and then it's BBC One ITV like you say so yeah if you're going to fail fail massively publicly I yeah, suppose yeah. Um, Absolutely. but um, it's it's a tricky time
1: yeah no I, I don't
0: know I mean it's Things like Fleabag got—I know a lot of people who were suddenly tune into that that did haven't watched sitcom for a while. I don't know if that sort of thing helps sitcom, helps yeah. a certain type of sitcom. Yeah, Only a
1: certain type because it's not—it's you know if you like that you probably won't like the other stuff. Mm. Um, so it's not exactly a gateway into enjoying Still Open All Hours, is it? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that yeah, there's a variety of reasons. I've done a very boring and lengthy blog post about it on my on my blog about why mainstream sitcom is struggling. Mm. I, I sort of had this idea for this blog And I, I wrote four and a half thousand words So if you're really interested To <laughs> yes. you know what I think Look on my blog for The ghost of sitcom future So you, your blog is, the, is sitcom geek. sitcomgeek Sitcomgeek.blogspot.com Brilliant
0: Now another previous guest uh, From our live show This is Alexis Dubas You have created a monster Marcel Lucon. The UK's leading uh, fox Frenchman. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I'm, I'm led to believe, believe that some people are not aware that you are him. Oh, yeah. like,
6: uh, yeah, hugely. Like I, do, I, go, I, I go up to Edinburgh, I do two shows every year in Edinburgh, so I'll do one as me and I'll do one as Marcel and I never cross-promote. I used to, the first year, I was up doing a show about the history of swearing and then I was doing the, my first Marcel show and I remember... I was I was kind of excited about doing this new character. And I said to people afterwards, "Oh look, uh, thanks for you know, a lovely crowd. Thanks for thanks for coming to Saturday crowd in Edinburgh. Oh, you would be lovely uh, if you're interested. I'm doing a character show tonight. You know, 10 10 pm. And I had such a lovely swearing show that afternoon, and an absolute shocker that night. And, and I just I could, it was one of those venues where I could hear people leaving behind a curtain, and I just heard the disdain and disappointment. And then someone actually went, "God." It
3: was like it was a completely different person.
6: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's what character comedy is.
3: Yeah, yeah <laughs> that, they love
0: one and hated the <laughs> other right. At that was like, right, these are two very separate things. When I've seen you, I've gigged with you as, as myself. Yeah, and uh, and it is like you're embodying something rather. <laughs> I remember I did a gig with you. I think it was in Kent. Oh, yeah. Kent where they love Marcel in Kent. Where, where <laughs> someone <thinks laughs> exactly? Yeah. But there was, a French, there was a French girl in the audience. Oh yeah, who came up to you after your act. And spoke to you about Oh where are you from in France But she was speaking in oh, yeah, yeah. French Yes you You carried on this conversation for Did not get away with about it? But half an hour <laughs> Right And you came over well, you walked over to me And said I'll go away with that And you did <laughs> And you, <laughs> and you <laughs> believed That you were from the same village As she was in France <laughs> I don't know Oh, how you oh that was good Yeah, yeah <laughs> the, the accent You knew where the shops were I was very impressed now, Yeah I've done my
6: research I, I, I claimed Marcel To be from a certain town That I'd never visited um, and then I thought I'd better go and visit that and actually do some research and so I did so I know now it, if I, where I claim Marcel to be from it is actually where my dad's side of the family is kind of from that area I've now been there I went with Cy Thomas another comedian we went on a little romantic trip to nice. find Marcel's birthplace <laughs> <laughs> yeah, made up character and we did a bit of research and it was yeah that like finding missions that's it so I can now chat yeah, yeah, yeah. to People from convince uh, that.
0: So it is the bring a bottle moment. We always have this little section of the show where we just ask you to give something back. It's our weekly opportunity uh, for just saying, please help us out a little bit. Give us a little boost or something. So this week's uh, bring a bottle moment. Uh, we try to make it different each time. This week, I would simply like to ask you, would you join my mailing list? Um, it will cost you no more than a few seconds of your time. You can unsubscribe when you like. And then you get all the latest bits from me uh, once every six weeks or so book stuff coming up, got a, a two or three big books coming out uh, very soon, end of the year, uh, some radio spots, I, I put stuff there about the new TV shows I'm up to uh, so if you would like to be on the mailing list, I would love to have you there, you just need to sign up, the link is on this podcast episode description Or it's on uh, paulcorenza.com, if you prefer. paulcorenza.com, P-A-U-L-K-E-R-E-N-S-A. About three lines down, there's a little highlighted thing. Join the mailing list. Uh, If you would do that, it would be great to have you there for that. And as I said, unsubscribe anytime you like. It would just be little bits of information about what I'm up to. Now, let us give something back uh, to the fantastic Mr. Joe Lycett. We are feeling generous. Uh, I was trying to think of some show titles for you. Oh, amazing. I haven't got very far, though. okay Um, I've got... um, Joe it and that's the way it is Oh nice Um, But I don't think that would People wouldn't get that without the cadence probably So it's rather tricky But great walk on Um, music Good good walk on music Then that would explain People go Oh I get it You know there would be a collective sigh As they realise what the poster means Um, They don't lycett (laughs) uppen Yeah that's really nice Um, (laughs) You probably need to know Dad's Army to get that
1: I don't know. I think you, maybe not. I think I don't know.
0: Maybe not. And then I was thinking, you got well, then. It, well, then it's just things like Lysit Minnelli, um, Lysit Doolittle, stuff like that. But I that's a different of sort Minnelli. of um, thing, isn't it?
4: That's a great poster. Um, yeah, that's true. Lysit Manelli. I just of which, sort of love love her.
0: Did I see something about Nigella? A Nigella. F- Farage thing, is that yeah, right? That's, that's of of a brilliant dragots. name. That's a fantastic no,
4: Farage, which is an act I did in Machuntleth last year at the Comedy Festival. OK, excellent uh, pronunciation. Thank you. Um, did it for ten minutes. Right. First five was funny. <laughs> uh, and basically the act is me... She's northern for no reason. Right. <laughs> She's from like Lancaster and uh, her catchphrase is Y Dozikrow <laughs> and um and she comes out and she, and I dress like full like her makeup and everything done right. for it. Wow. And um she comes out and she sort of does like uh, Like UKIP sort of just like catchphrases And lots of like, oh it's disgusting in it And then tries to reel off a recipe for a goat massaman curry
0: <laughs> And that's, that's it, that's all the act is it's Just a, like, it's, oh it's disgusting, take it's, the goat and prepare it Like that's all the act is That's a fine concept I mean it's, there's something it's, it's in it It's all isn't there it? isn't it, it's all there
4: I sort of wondered about maybe supporting myself on tour Excellent. As one of my characters That would be a great idea great. Something brand. cuts the cost down, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? I don't it know does. quite how I'd... I suppose I'd have to uh, go on as Nigella and then derobe in the interval. Uh,
0: yes, I imagine there'd be some preparation yeah. involved. Yeah. And then reveal that it was you all along, which yeah, they had yeah. no idea about, it before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, supporting yourself on tour, well, that is exactly what happened with comedian Alexis Dubas. This
6: was a weird one. I, I did, it was in Belgium. Uh, it was a in Brussels in a... Uh, well, yeah, in Brussels is a French promoter who just thought it'd be really funny to kind of, he goes, I'd love to book you to open for yourself and to, get to <laughs> and to do like, the, the, the deal is like two ask get on and do two 45 minute sets with a break in between and he goes, yeah, come and do it and we'll sell it and we'll, we won't say anything, it'll be Alexis Dubas and Marcel Lecon and, um, and I thought, well, okay, I don't sell Marcel as being a character anymore, like I say. Um, mainly because people believe that he's a real person so I thought well okay well, it would make sense to do myself second because then it would be me coming on and then people go oh well that guy's definitely a character like, that's, that's the same guy I Frenchman and the guy goes no honestly let's do it that way and I, I swear no, put glasses on and a hat and, and then we'll do it like that so I went on and did my poetry and did my silly stand up and one liners and that sort of thing and then uh, with the glass and a hat on then there was a break then did my hair differently took off the hat but put the suit on and the roll neck Went on was like Ugh. you know and then became Marcel That's what it takes. And then he came on afterwards, saying, because I, I was going through it, going, I think I've go away with this. I think people don't know." And he came on afterwards and went, uh, "There we go. That was uh, you see, like you did. That was Marcel and, and now, did you notice anything about uh, this uh, this guy? And and he was same person. <laughs> and, and people going, some people was go, "What?" What are you talking about? And then i sort of so I was going like they really don't believe so I came back on in the Marcel suit with the roll neck and just popped my hat and my glasses on and went, Yeah, there you go, that was me, same so yeah. face, you know and people were genuinely taken aback by it. Wow. Idiots
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alexis do let it go. So, from touring solo shows uh, to someone who is off to the Edinburgh Festival, we're going to have a special Edinburgh episode in a couple of uh, episodes time, probably sort of late July, just uh, teasing you out, some other people going up to the festival, but here's one right now. Uh, we've had her on the show before, preaching the merits of getting a comedy director for your show. This is Israeli comic Daphna Barham.
7: You need to be told, uh, and but you also don't want to hear for a while, which no. I think is also justifiable, because um, mm-hmm you just you need to do a little bit of the journey on yeah. your own I think I think you need to do 300, 500 gigs just go there and do it and you know the advice that they're giving you is all the time gig 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 and you're like no but I want to do clowning yeah, and see can, how yeah. it works with my yeah. and they're like well I'll do clowning if you want but what you really need to do is be out there gigging but at some point somebody needs to pull you back and say ok 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 just stop that like, you, you give him six times a week because you're too lazy to write a joke yeah, or because yeah. you don't know how to write a joke, which I think was my case. I was not big on writing jokes. I'm entertaining. Um, and I have a big persona and state presence yeah. and whatever. But the craft, I had no idea. I thought, I'm a writer. I write articles, yeah. right? I've written a book, right? I mean, how hard could that be? And the whole idea of a joke that is a bit like writing an equation, in yeah. a way. It is, yeah. I, sure. could, I couldn't be honest with I, And I think... I. Women get angry when I say that, and maybe they're probably right. But I think for many of us, we don't think that way. Men don't have a problem with the idea that they need to learn to do this thing. And this is why you see them when they're a new comedians on Twitter and on Facebook playing with these one liners. Not many women do that. The ones okay. who do that, I'm a m- massive fan of. You know, women who do one liners um, like Beck um, Hill and Saskia Preston, yep. and th- there are a few of yeah. them. Um, but I think there's an element of storytelling that we think you just tell it in an entertaining yeah, way, it's going to be alright. Which is alright to an extent, but you need to know how to write it. Yeah, it's jo-
0: true. I've not thought you get Stuart Francis and Milton Jones and Jimmy Carr and Tim Vine and yeah. Emo Phillips and. Uh, it's not. Uh, but there's, there's no women in that, are
7: there? It, not many.
0: What's your, your new show? You're Chicken doing...
7: Soup Crusader. Chicken Soup Crusader. Yeah, Chicken Soup Crusader is. Um, Quite a bit of stuff about israel but also quite a bit of stuff about the uk about you know my current events i've got a big brexit rant as you can imagine well, and well, there's, there's a lot to talk about isn't there? a so, lot to yeah, talk about yeah. and you know and and, and uh, trump stuff and, yes we um, which is hard because you, you think is i think what makes comedy interesting is if you political comedy particularly is if you speak from your own perspective not just from your own opinion but also from your personal perspective. Who are you in that story? Because we're all um, affected and implicated by what's happening. And it defines, for me, it defines who I am. Like, I'm a product of the politics in which I've grown. Both the stuff that was inflicted on me by reality, but also the stuff that was instilled in me by my upbringing uh, and by my personality. So this is... what it oh, great. I'm yeah. trying to save the world with a big uh, pot of chicken soup. Well, um, might it work? Yeah, yeah. It might work. I mean, nothing else yeah, did. Yeah. So yeah. I like the fact your flyer had
0: a recipe for chicken soup on it as well. Yes,
7: this is uh, this great. is what we decided to yeah because it's a um, uh, useful. It's fries. a very sought after recipe. Oh, it's a yeah. great soup, by the way, making. I In uh, yeah. uh, the last year, I've posted it uh, on popular request on Facebook about five times, and I was like, okay, I'm going to make them a flyer. them, yeah. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I'm thinking what to do with it. I might like ask people to because. Every nation um, has a chicken soup. You know, in Israel, because Jews who kosher cannot have uh, meat with dairy, so they have yeah, okay. a concept called palve, these are things that are non-dairy, uh, not um, meaty so like you can have chicken soup powder or like a, that, that is yeah, yeah, not it doesn't have any meat in it so vegetarian can use it right. so basically okay, chicken soup what yeah. I'm saying is the so most universalist dish in clearly world. Yeah, yeah maybe that's the solution so that might, it's, it's the see, biggest so. comfort okay. food clearly, ever clearly. and we, we all need some comfort now. so Comida comfort food with, uh, yeah, you can I'm find doing, more online I assume uh, with, uh, some yes, sort of web portal www miss steve c-o-u-k U K Mrs an unmarried woman dear in and I am yes. the, the of comedy or oh, uh, follow me on Twitter um, at Miss D comedy, Miss D? Miss, D comedy. Oh. Miss D comedy Miss D comedy that's my Twitter um, follow me on Twitter that makes me so happy there we go and uh, and I don't nag too much on this so, yeah, that's a good thing <laughs> that's good. or I'm uh, comedian uh, on Facebook awesome um, so and yeah and I'm going to be in Brighton and I'm going to be uh, at the Curious Art Festival in July in Hampshire and I'm doing Camden a few dates in Camden uh, the Camden Fringe which is in August uh, so I'm doing Camden Hand and I'm going to be doing probably dates here at the Museum of Comedy um, the Leicester Square Theatre and I'm also looking this is a few I'm looking for venues uh, around the UK to go and do the show I might also go back to Barcelona. Uh, I'm all to Paris. to do some gigs in Paris. This sounds Just, good. Oh,
0: unfortunately, no Paris for me coming up. Uh, but I too, like Daphne, I'm doing very similar venues and festivals. Uh, Camden Fringe in August. My new show, Navelless Gazing, is off to Camden at the very end of August in the August Bank Holiday weekend. Uh, we've got I've got the Museum of Comedy in September with Rob Thomas. That's going to be a lovely show, September 23rd. Also, Kettering Festival in June. Guildford Fringe and the Hazelmere Festival, both in July. I'm doing Liverpool Festival up in the northwest uh, in September. I don't know why I said up in the northwest. You know where Liverpool is. It's the bit by the sea where the Beatles are from. Anyway, September. I'm going up there for that. Uh, more on paulcarenza.com or on the Facebook or on the Twitter or indeed, of course, you will have joined the mailing list by now. I would hope. Do join up to that, and I will tell you more info when it comes around. So yeah, like I say, next episode, I think we will have a business special. here from um, you know some little tips from the leading entrepreneurs of today. We'll be hearing about how you go from nothing to running schools hostels and hospit hospitals hostels yes hostel isn't different from hospital isn't it also how to start a men's magazine from scratch how to start a beauty empire uh, as we speak to one of the country's biggest names in skincare and beauty and all these sort of things that's liz earl um yeah episode after that then it'll be the july edinburgh extravaganza we'll be chatting to the granddaddy of edinburgh peter buckley hill so thank you to all our guests uh, from this week Uh, if you like who you hear, do seek them out online, they're all on the social medias and things, and indeed if you like this podcast you could uh, donate, you could be a patron, all of that sort of thing on heptagonclub.co.uk you could just share us, uh, tell your friends on Twitter and Facebook and things like that, do also check out Home for Good uh, Chris's fostering and adoption charity we heard about earlier, if you're even remotely intrigued by that as a possibility it's well worth looking at his website online lots more information, his website online what am I saying I'm saying some weird things this time I'm really sorry of course his website is online it's a website therefore it's online if it were offline it would be a piece of paper no hope for good have a google it is there online if you like podcasts generally
3: like everyone else in the world I'm doing a podcast which means oh, the well. podcast listenership now is yeah. down to predominantly however many people are on the podcast much. Uh, so well <laughs> done for booking seven that's the idea uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah I'm still, still yeah. doing my book shambles with Josie Long and I'm about to put out a series of podcasts with Alan Moore as well my mate Grace Petrie who is a fantastic oh, folk singer and I would highly hey. recommend if you don't know Grace Petrie's work go to her website so I, I will recommend Excellent. Grace Petrie and I'll recommend Josie Long's tour if that continues anywhere in the UK We've been and Australia work together, and she remains uh, a wonderful, exuberant human being.
0: Brilliant. We'll listen to those, all of us, and please go for Robin Inns Thank you. So, uh, the concluding headlines for this week. We conclude with the headlines? No, headlines are at the start. This is going all over the place this time around. I'm so sorry. Uh, mailing list please do join up it's in the episode info or at paulcarenza.com about three paragraphs down join my mailing list uh, do come and see my new live show Navelless Gazing it is on between now and September at places like Kettering, Liverpool Camden, Guildford that sort of stuff
2: hey, you, anybody
7: said to you today? live
0: good lives be nice to each other thank you to Rob Halligan the for the music thank you to you for listening
7: you look
5: positively beautifully
0: Share us, rate us, help us get into other people's ears, that would be amazing. And we will see you in about a month for seven more brilliant guests at the Heptagon Club. So long for now.